This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Buongiorno, that is Italian. My name is Alex Bonner. I am one of your professors here at the Blockbuster Film School, joined as always by my favorite professor at the Blockbuster Film School, Mr. Nicholas Souter. Can we bring the energy level down a little bit? I just had a, I just had a veggie burger. I'm a little tired. <laughs> it's going to keep happening. And as always, we have, without a microphone, super producer Brian Tips. He is Can where- I do my Brian impression? Yeah. <laughs> Bry is wearing a sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off and tight jeans and Nikes and a gun to cosplay as Axel Foley. <laughs> okay, if you haven't guessed already, based on a few context clues for you, this week we are doing Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. No, that Judge Judge Reinhold. That's going to be decades from now when we run out of ideas. Um, we are doing Mr. Eddie Murphy, Mr. Edward. Regan Murphy, I believe this is his middle name. You're making that up. No, it is. It's truly Edward Regan Murphy, I believe, is his name. We're going to talk about it, but uh, we'll start with our normal gambit. Nick, what is the first Eddie Murphy movie that you ever saw? What? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> you know who Eddie Murphy is, right? You're aware he's a famous actor. He's my father's brother. <laughs> he's a comedian. Yes. I talk about this a lot. The first movie I saw in theaters mm. was Tim Burton's Batman. Yes. The first movie I ever saw, though, outside of my home, mm. was the drive-in theater. We saw Coming to America. Hell yeah. Queens. Laughed at jokes I didn't realize were funny. <laughs> I didn't realize why they were funny. I laughed at the ones I knew were funny. I laughed at the ones my parents were laughing at. And then years later, I watched it. I was like, oh, wow. Are they, was this appropriate for me? <laughs> Listen, Eric LaSalle in a commercial for Soul Glow Holy is shit. always funny. No matter how old you are, it doesn't matter. Let your soul glow. And he turns. He's not wearing a shirt. It's amazing. Yes. Also, children, if you're unaware, there was a time in the 80s where there was a thing called a jerry curl in which you sprayed a lot of oil into your hair to make your hair curly and glistening for some reason. I'm not entirely sure, but it happened in the 80s and people used to do it. Yes. For reference, look at my photos before the podcast. <laughs> Go on my MySpace. Yes. Yes. I am Jerry curled out. <laughs> it was a thing. Perms. It was a whole weird. There was a whole weird moment where people thought that weirdly curling your hair was a thing to do and that it would make you attractive to people. I don't understand. But my dad, who was a big fan of stand-up, basically... Probably way before we should have let me and my brother and my sister watch Eddie Murphy's Delirious, which was his stand-up special, and I laughed my balls off. Once again, same thing, probably messed with me, probably made me find a bunch of things that are would now considered not cool to <laughs> talk about or make jokes about. Very funny, at least at the time. There's a joke about how if a man were to have sex with Mr. T that he is so strong he would clench his butt cheeks and rip their dick off. For instance, is a joke that Eddie Murphy made in Delirious. Was it consensual sex? <laughs> yes, yes, but you had to be careful because he's Mr. T. So, well, that's not gotta be bad. careful because <laughs> my butt cheeks would be dick off, right? So this is the kind of thing that Eddie Murphy was already an incendiary sort of character from the get-go. He was a complete lunatic. We will go into the full Eddie Murphy thing. We'll do our normal little thing where we talk about Mr. Eddie Murphy just for a moment, but he was born in 1961, April 3rd, 1961. He's 59, just turned 59. In oh, he's two years younger than my father. That in New York, New York. Um, Alex, he, you ever been to New York? I've been to New York, yes, that's true. How is it? There's a lot of places that say they have the best pizza in New York. I bet they do. <laughs> it's not bad, Yeah, but it is funny how many of them say we have the best pizza in New York. Whenever I see that, though, I think of Elf. I also we have the best coffee on the planet. He's just like, congratulations. 
Also, where's the one negging side where you just say we have the worst pizza in New York and you're the most popular pizza place in New York? That's any place where the slice it's, is a dollar. It's, but just – that's fair. That is fair. I've always been a big fan of Eddie Murphy. He's honestly probably one of the first – absolutely one of the first comedic minds that I fully related to as a kid. I love the shit out of him. I love the guy. I'm sorry. And we've talked about this before. I miss old Eddie Murphy. I do. I feel like old Eddie Murphy is kind of different than modern Eddie Murphy, but he's still funny. His last SNL was still yeah. very funny. I But there was something about old Eddie Murphy. But yeah, so we'll just go real, real quick. He had a weird childhood. Uh, his dad died when he was young. His dad got murdered, actually, by Jesus. a woman that he was dating after his parents split up. And then he was mostly raised by his stepfather, who was the foreman at an ice cream factory. <laughs> so there's already, like, crazy shit. His brother, R.I.P. Charlie Murphy, was also a comedian. And he grew up in this kind of really insane household he decided to skip school at one point and became like this weird, I don't even know how to put it, like something that would only exist kind of in the 70s. He would go to coffee shops as like a child and do bits and people found them very funny. He would lip sync Al Green songs and dance and people thought it was awesome. And then his mother found out that he was skipping school to do this. Spookily enough, there was an interesting article I read that was about how he had based a lot of his acting career on Peter Sellers. He was obsessed with Peter Sellers. I'll buy that. Yeah, I could, and especially later where he really starts to try to become the straight man in a lot of stuff, which is very weird, but I don't know. So we could get real, real deep, but needless to say, Eddie ends up being one of the youngest members ever of SNL. I think that's where it begins. Have you ever seen any of the old Eddie Murphy SNL, Nick? I would say more than likely I've seen... All of the Eddie Murphy SNL. My parents love Eddie Murphy. My dad thought it was hilarious to show us, much like yours, parents. Uh, Eddie Murphy's raw and yes. hilarious at a very young age, where it's like, we didn't get the jokes, but it didn't stop him from sort of going, did you get that? I agree with you. There's stuff that went over my head as a kid, but yeah. there was also like, you don't get no ice cream because you ain't got no money. Like, there's a weirdness to Eddie Murphy where he's funny to everybody on some level, at least back then, particularly. Yeah. Like, well, that's the difference between old Eddie Murphy and modern Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Besides, like, 20 years, he appeals to everybody, and eventually at a certain point, he lost that edge hmm. and just appealing to youth and children and parents. It's just sort of easier. It's yes. Yeah. It's hard to keep that edge. It's hard to stay at that level because it like you either just keep doing the same bits mm. and you become Andrew Dice Clay or you evolve and you become something else. Cause like we were talking about this off the air. He is the sixth most profitable actor of the box office of all time. Yeah, in the history of Hollywood, yeah. And I'm assuming he's behind Harrison Ford. Yeah. I feel like him and Harrison Ford are very similar. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, these more sort of incendiary sort of characters when they were younger and then kind of become just these sort of more, like being more the joke guy when they're younger. Exactly, and then smart the straight, asses. Yes, and then becoming the straight man. Straight man, just becoming like icons mm. of acting. They are celebrity, but they are still talented and they could still, I mean, Eddie's had a lot more drops than Harrison <laughs> well, Ford. We'll, yes, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But it's like... He's also made more movies. The guy didn't stop working for yeah, a like long in, time. Like In the 90s, he made like a hundred pictures. It's something crazy. It really yeah. is. Um, well, okay. So in the early 80s, Murphy obviously was on SNL. This is... For people who don't know the SNL thing, there was a like a five-year period where Lorne Michaels left the show. And basically... Even Lorne Michaels has said that, like, SNL would not exist if Eddie Murphy had not appeared at that moment because there's crazy stuff where, like, Nick Nolte was supposed to host one night and he got sick. So Eddie Murphy was the first and only cast member to ever host while being a cast member because he was so awesome and they were just like, you host. And then he said, live from New York, it's the Eddie Murphy show, which I appreciate a lot, nice. actually. And I remember that. And obviously he was, like, buckwheat 
and uh, Gumby. Gumby and Mr. Robinson, like Mr. Rogers, like who the hell is it? And <laughs> my particular favorite though is that he got so sick of people coming up to him on the street being like, do Buckwheat, do Buckwheat, that he did a sketch where Buckwheat was assassinated outside of 30 Rockefeller Center where he was shot a bunch of times. <laughs> Buckwheat died. <laughs> so he could tell people Buckwheat is dead. <laughs> Which, I I mean, that's amazing. And My dad would, did that once on Father's Day. Yeah. So it stopped going on to him. He got assassinated dad, on Father's dad. Day. <laughs> he faked his own assassination. He had a bunch of squibs. <laughs> that's great. It's traumatizing, but it's traumatizing. Also, it only lasted a couple days. He he realized he didn't know how to cook. <laughs> He's like Charlie and when Charlie and Mac fake their own deaths, pretty much. And they're living on beans on the roof. Uh, so, in 2015, Rolling Stone out of 141 SNL cast members had him second, only behind John Belushi in terms of being the most influential of all the SNL cast members. Probably true. Belushi makes the show. Yeah. And then he solidifies it, and he's Eddie Murphy. Uh, In 1982, Murphy made his big screen debut in the film 48 Hours with Roxanne. Nick, what do you think about 48 Hours? 48 Hours is good. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, A little dark. It is dark. (laughs) It's one of those things where I really like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's hilarious. But, and this goes from 48 Hours up to Thin Red Line and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Nick Nolte being pissed off is one of the most underrated things in the world. <laughs> it's kind of When true. he fucking loses it, <sighs> he's had a vein in his forehead that's been ready to pop for 50 years. You could smell whiskey coming off of him through the screen. Yeah. It's like smell-o-vision. Even in the movies where he like, Plays like a guy who isn't mad. Yeah. At some point, he just like, like, like does. I'm about to say, look at me, but it's like we're pocket. Anyways, yeah. he does one of these things. It's like, like for a second, <laughs> and that vein pops out like it's doing a cameo. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And then to team him up with, at the time, a guy who is a hilarious dude, but obnoxious. Who obviously Nick Nolte is. In the beginning, not going to enjoy. Exactly. It's going to be, it's the ultimate buddy cop thing. These two guys don't get along. One is funny and black. The other is angry and white. This is probably not going to work out in the beginning. But when they work together, they realize that it's exactly 48 hours to solve a crime. I don't remember. (laughs) But it was a huge hit. It was a huge fucking hit. Yeah. And kind of solidified the modern buddy cop genre a little bit as existing. And also something that Hollywood said to themselves, oh, shit. Because he wasn't even supposed to get it. It was supposed – I think they offered it to, like you said, a bunch of people. They offered it to Harrison Ford and they offered it to Stallone. And we will talk about this a couple of times where Stallone passing on things that Eddie Murphy would then get and then be awesome at. And Stallone would be like, oh, no. I'm a cop from the tribe. just a normal guy. I am also uh, hilarious. I should have done this. Philadelphia. (laughs) So it's not the first time. But then Hollywood basically was like, oh, shit. This is a genre. This is a genre. We take a comedian and an established gritty actor and we put them together. This is a goddamn genre. So after that, though, his next movie, the following year in- Real fast, though. Yeah, yeah. How amazing would a demolition band been? Mm. It was Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. Oh, Oh, my God. Oh, send a maniac to catch a maniac? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Literally, there'd be like five minutes of them just laughing at each other, and then they start shooting. And then somehow Sandy Bullock still is his daughter, and he's like, this is weird. Like, you're very pale. Less, <laughs> less confusing why he would have sex with her if they don't look the same. Yes, yeah, it was completely confusing to him. Yeah. Yeah, unlike Stallone's thing where he's like, yeah, you, and also, you want to, but then you will always want to have sex with your daughter until they tell you it's not your daughter. Like, what? And then Joel Silver's like... Yeah, that's yeah. That Jesus. is correct. That is correct. It's a small room, Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, I need to use these ears tomorrow. God damn. That was just a perfect Joel Silver. Which go back and listen to our Joel Silver episode. If your hearing has been repaired since then, <laughs> your Vince McMahon has finally become your Joel Silver. Well, Joel, the nice thing about the Vince McMahon is that it's not as high decibel. You know, you can do it. It has the intensity, but it's lower octave. All right. 
But the next year, so Eddie Murphy comes flying out of the gate, makes 48 hours, big hit. Then next year he makes Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and John Landis. And it's awesome. Do you yeah. like do you like Trading Places? Love Trading Places. I love Trading Places. My dad has this on VHS, he has yes. it on DVD. It is amazing. My mom's still upset because she thinks he only buys it for Jamie Lee Curtis's breasts. I mean, which also they would always like skip forward and then I like went back and when like nobody was home after school, I yeah. popped in the VHS tape and like watched it. I was like, this is four seconds. Why is she upset? Yeah. This is a legitimately funny movie. Also, how to not make this sound creepy, but I remember watching and be like, holy cow. Like, <laughs> like just. <laughs> that still sounds creepy. Like holy cow! No, I, I don't know. I just like it almost wasn't even sexual. I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is see. I don't think you understand. The the more you say it, yeah, it, it gets still worse. sounds sexual. It gets, creepy. It gets yeah. so bad. I know. I'm sorry, but it's almost become a weird hallmark of that movie. <laughs> the people are like, oh yeah, it's hilarious and awesome. Also, Jamie Lee Curtis takes her top off in that scene. And literally female friends have said this to me. And I'm like, yes, I know. It's nuts. But he works with John Landis. That movie is hilarious. I know there's a part where Dan Aykroyd has blackface on. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Still it is, not the worst thing Dan Aykroyd's ever done. No. And also, it is supposed to be stupid. It's supposed to be dumb. It's supposed to be <laughs> wrong. So... Yeah. It has James Belushi in it for a minute, which I know you're excited about. And uh, the one that's alive <laughs> is it the one that's ruined every fucking Portillo's in the Shadowland area? Yeah, that's correct. Thief is good. Thief is a good movie. That movie is 40 years old. I know. <laughs> the movie's the same age as Taps. I know. I know. And oh my god, <laughs> that's the death stare. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's from '81. Also, Taps is a vampire. He's like 300 years old. I know, but it is your age. I'm sorry. You're going to edit me out the whole show, aren't you, you son of a bitch? Uh Oh, Tess's fangs are out. Um, (laughs) um, Trading Places is amazing. If you haven't. It's hilarious. uh, Spoiler alert, it's probably going on my wall because. Also, still very timely because the idea of two fucking old Mm. white rich men fucking over people for sport and bet. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yes. How is that not still true? Agreed. And also of movies that are funny and crazy, but teach you just a little bit of a lesson. I think way more than 48 hours. It's like, here's a poor dude who is completely oppressed. Here's a rich white dude who has tons of privilege. These things fall on you and the roles are reversed and then suddenly one becomes kind of an oppressive personality and the other one has to become, it's like everybody in who is beset by tragedy and beset by oppression has to fight back in their own way. And if your roles were reversed, you would do the same thing. Yeah. And if you had a heart, you would help out the other people because your privilege could turn on you at any moment. You aren't always going to just be, you know, skinny Dan Aykroyd, I think is what we... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Skinny, funny, talented, <laughs> good at writing, not going around telling everybody that aliens aren't visiting yes. Earth because of 9-11. Having a butler. <laughs> yeah. Also still, uh, I'm not going to repeat the line, but the line that Dan Aykroyd says when he wakes up from the dream, <laughs> having this terrible dream, <laughs> and then he sees Eddie Murphy and tries to strangle him. It's very funny. I don't know. The, so... It's good. Then Murphy appears in the Dudley Moore movie Best Defense. Have you ever seen this movie? No. No, he actually, he had his name taken off of it already. And when he hosted SNL, Murphy called it the worst movie in the history of everything. Oh, (laughs) he couldn't see the into the future of his own career, apparently. (laughs) Zig. But you know what? He might bounce back because then in 1984, Murphy takes a movie that Stallone had pre-producted, it was ready to go, and then Stallone was like, no, I don't want to do it. This is going to be a good movie. I'm going to make more. more." And then they gave it to Eddie Murphy, and it was called Beverly Hills Cop. And it made... Hold on, wait, wait. Pause for taps to add loud cheers and applause. Yes, yes. (sighs) Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um... The Martin Brest classic, it made $230 million at the box office in 1984. The when budget was $2,000. It was something crazy. It was like $16 million. And also, 
adjusted for inflation, it's the 46th highest grossing movie in yeah. the history of Hollywood. It came out of nowhere. I think it cost $5 million. It was something crazy like that. It was it was cheap. I it think was maybe, very inexpensive. Yeah, I think they maybe started doing some uh, advertising when they realized they had a hit on their hands, yeah. which maybe were like that. But even still, it was a, an across-the-board breakout. We watched it. It still stands up. Yeah. It's still very funny. The action is still good. Spoiler alert, it's my number one. Mm. Balky is in it for a second. Oh, well, now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's a very important piece. Not going to fall for no banana oh, tailpipe. Oh, my God. Got to say with more soul, brother. Not going to fall for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> Damon Wayans is in it for a second. You just take these bananas. That is an age well. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's still kind of funny to see. Judge it. Reinhold. Judge Reinhold's maybe best movie other than yeah. Fast Times. I mean, he's like baby Judge Reinhold. Also, once again, a little bit of Eddie... Doing a little bit of social commentary of yeah. there's the amazing. You got arrested for getting thrown through a fucking window. Yes. That in the rich neighborhoods, this awesome cop from Detroit, because he doesn't look like a fancy rich guy, gets shit on. But then he's the one who solves the case. Who yeah. solves the case? Your cracker ass moron cops couldn't solve the case. They needed Eddie Murphy from Detroit. They needed Axel Foley. I love the part where after they go to the strip club, he's talking to their boss. Oh, my God. From RoboCop. <laughs> he's like, these guys, I had no idea. I was there. I was looking mm-hmm. at titties. I'm into that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm gross like that. I was having a couple beers and relaxed. <laughs> Before I knew it, they took down both these gentlemen. These guys, they're not just cops. They're super cops. They're super cops. <laughs> and then he goes, looks at Reinhold. What really happened? <laughs> uh, we didn't know what was going on. He basically did everything. <laughs> Also, the Martin Breast opening with the the, the cigarette truck. Yes, the tractor trailer driving through Detroit, crashing uh, through fucking stuff. Fucking amazing! Is amazing. It looks better than anything I've seen in a Fast and Furious movie. Is that a Pointer Sister song? Yes. Oh no. Uh, I think it might be the the Neutron song, the Neutron Dance. The I'm just doing the Neutron Dance. I think you're right. And. Beverly Hills Cop is unbelievable. And it's old Eddie Murphy. Like, did you write that? <laughs> Fucking, I love the smartassness, the mayhem of the guy. I mean, it's peak, peak young Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's handsome. He's tough, but funny. He weighs 12 pounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has the tightest jeans I've ever seen on a black man. He's sometimes doing cool stunts, like yeah. himself bouncing off of things. I mean, he gets thrown through a window. <laughs> Also, Mike from Breaking Bad kills a guy. Like, there's some 80s grittiness to it. Yeah. He laughs at some guys wearing Michael Jackson jackets. No, he, bla- he laughs at the guys wearing his outfits from, from fucking Rump. his stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's true. He also throws uh, Mike uh, from Breaking uh. Bad into a pile of food at a buffet. That is also Which true. is hilarious. He just stands there that covered ba- in food. That one weird bad guy who has the thing on his head. Yeah. Victor Malin. All right. <laughs> But it's great. And at that point, Eddie Murphy becomes maybe the biggest movie star in the world. It gets nuts. He gets offered tons of roles. Like, he's offered, like, Star Trek Four. He doesn't take it, but he gets offered, like, everything. And he then I, decides— I, I want to repeat one thing I've said yeah, over and over. Yeah. I've never seen any Star Trek movies. Uh, we know. But yeah. he's at the peak, the peak, and he gets offered, and he takes the 1986 Michael Ritchie movie, The Golden Child. <laughs> Have you seen The Golden Child? Yeah, mostly on Comedy Central. Yeah. You know what? It kind of has an element like, um, it's like a doofier version of Big Trouble in Little China. Which is saying a lot. I know. And I don't hate it. Of the ones that are considered failures, I think Eddie's very funny in it. I like Supernatural stuff. I liked it a lot as a kid. I've watched it recently. Eddie's great. It just doesn't work completely. Exactly. That's the, they add too much stuff. It's like too supernatural and too goofy. And there's like a part where a kid has to eat blood and he gets turned into a demon if he eats the blood and he won't eat the blood. So they try to force a kid to eat blood. You're like, this is weird. I don't mind that part. I was going to say blood again. Yeah. He has to eat the blood. Look at Teps' yes. shirt. Yeah, blood. Teps has blood all over him. He's a vampire. Um, it performed well at the box office, though. It did well. It didn't get a lot of critical praise, like his, yeah. his first three movies, basically. His first three movies were like critical darlings, box office darlings. Everyone was like, Eddie's here to save America. And then he made the golden shot. They're like, uh, maybe not. So it went okay. Uh, he's here to save everything north of the Mason-Dixon line. Yes. But then he came back in 1987. Tony Scott directed Beverly Hills Cop 2. Have you seen Beverly Hills Cop 2? Yes. What do you think of Beverly Hills Cop 2? 
It's better than Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, uh, yeah. Brett Ratner directed that. Yeah. It's, no, it's not a terrible movie. Right. I felt that it was more like Tony Scott was making more of like an action movie, more of like yeah, a Tony Scott funny. movie. It's not funny. Is this him shooting motherfuckers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more just mayhem. Yeah. And it didn't have the same sort of soul that that first one No, had. and also Weidhold tries to be an action star. I know, I know. It's not... Also, all I remember is just gratuitous violence. I just remember... Yeah, the body count mm-hmm. is higher in that one than the one and three combined. Right. I know the shootout scene at the end of the first one is kind of insane, but for the most part in the first one, the violence is part of the story. It's yeah. important. His friend gets shot. That's why he goes to investigate his murder. You know, it's it has a reason. Yeah. To... Martin Brest directs emotional movies. Yes, yes. Tony Scott made Man on Fire. Yeah, and that Kira Knightley movie, Domino. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, True Romance. True Romance. Yeah, don't say anything negative. Aaron Rose might be right, listening. Uh, uh, yeah. She's outside the apartment Nothing right now weird with a gun. about a guy wearing dreads. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'm, so- I'm so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so once again, though, it was, it grossed like $400 million yeah. in 1987. So he's back, though. I mean, he's made five movies and they've all been financially successful. What do you think about uh, Coming to America, Nick? I love that movie. I know. I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's John it's Landis again. John Landis. Yeah. Bouncing back after killing Vic Morrow. <laughs> I think that's before. No. Was Isn't it? a Twilight Zone movie like 85? It's mm. right in the middle. Oh, interesting. Because he makes it after uh, Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. But I thought like Twilight Zone was like 90 or something like that. No. Because, hmm. like, after this movie, by, like, 94, he was directing The Stupids or some shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had basically blackballed him at that yeah. point. No, well, I mean. actually, foreshadowing to other terrible vampire movies, in 1992, John Landis directed Innocent Blood, right. which is a mafia vampire movie about an undercover cop. <laughs> That's yeah. a real thing? That's a real thing. And it is garbage. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like trash. Yeah. It sounds like absolutely not the only garbage vampire movie we'll talk about, though. Oh, yes, that's true. But yes, 1980 Coming to America is also amazing, possibly a prequel to Black Panther. I'm not entirely sure, but also, <laughs> uh, it's when I saw it as a kid, too, it blew my mind. Like, no one had ever, I mean, there had been stories. It's interesting that he has a lot of movies that are kind of about haves and have nots, you know, and about. People who are good people regardless of their situation and people who are bad people regardless of their situation. And it's a matter of how you treat other people. Exactly. And Will Ferrell's entire career is based on how Eddie Murphy made movies in the 80s. Yeah. Because all of Will Ferrell movies are about equality. But they're just like kind of more blunt. Yeah. Whereas Eddie Murphy made films Mm -hmm. about that. And they were genuine and they were beautiful. And they had fucking Arsenio Hall. Also, I mean, you're talking about, like, he's working with, like, Landis and Martin Brest. And, like, I mean, you're talking about, like, he's working with a lot of some of the best 80s. However, in Coming to America, that's the first Eddie Murphy movie where he portrays many characters. Yeah. He portrays a Jewish guy in the barbershop. You know what I'm saying? And this is something he would do on SNL where he would, like, be, like, he created the Chappelle show in a way. Like, the thing where the day in the life of a white guy where he dressed up as a white guy on SNL and then went around. And when he was like white, like he didn't have to pay for things. <laughs> like people were all high-fiving each other all the time. And that's the first movie. And he's the preacher and he's the guys in the barbershop and he's the, you know I mean? And so he's already starting to do something which he would do later, which is portraying many characters, but it kind of works in coming to America. And like we said, Eric LaSalle, isn't it, as yeah. one of the antagonists. He's not really a bad guy, but he's he's a rich dildo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he's he behaves like Those a Those are bad men, Alex. Yeah, I know. But he learns his lesson and tries to be better about it later. Okay, so then we get more into some of the, like, Boomerang, 1992. I think that made money, though. It, it made money, but... It's um, It's not great. It's not great. It's about an advertising executive who is a womanizer and a chauvinist. Until he meets that one lady. Yeah, and then he learns to treat women decently, which I always always felt was a little weird. 
But I get that also he's trying to make a point, you know? Yeah. He's trying to make a point about how people behave, that dudes are being dickheads to women on a large scale and that will come back and bite you in the ass. I got that. It will boomerang on you, if you will. Um, so um, yeah, he's really making good. a lot of sequels. He's making another 48 hours. He's making, Yeesh. yeah. I've never actually. Made money, seen. though. They made money. Harlem Knights with Mr. Coppola, right? Who wrote the original screenplay and then it became The Cotton Club. And then Eddie Murphy kept with it and it was directed by Eddie Murphy, his version, which became Harlem Knights. Have you ever seen Harlem Knights? Yeah, I don't remember any of it. Mm. Well, I it, saw it in the early 90s, though. I know. It's him trying to do a more serious thing, which is weird because it's him and Richard Pryor. So I think it confused people that they were trying to, both of them trying to do a more serious movie. And it's a period piece. And that it's about, you know, this kind of one moment, this golden age of jazz. And also, you're like, does jazz have anything to do with stand up comedy? I don't know. But yes, I guess. I guess the two go hand in hand. But it did really work on this. Plus, he was a big fan of Richard Pryor. So I think it was more he was like, I'm going to, oh, I have a chance to work with Richard Pryor. I'll do that now. And all those famous lines and scenes that we all remember from Harlem Nights. Okay. Yep. Uh, (laughs) So we get into what you were talking about, though. There's a certain movie. It is called... Vampire in Brooklyn. Absolute trash. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Spoiler alert. This is my dumpster for this episode and whenever we do a Wes Craven episode. I remember watching this when it premiered on HBO as a child, and I was just like, there has to be something else on. Yes. Like, I flipped over the cops. (sighs) I was wow. like, I can't watch. I can't. I wow. can't watch them justify this shit. And I kept going back because there was nothing else on. And I was just like, Is this really this bad? Yeah. How is it this bad? I've watched it a couple times and blacked out. I don't know what I'm watching. I don't remember what the hell the story. It's kind of about Dracula, but he's in Brooklyn. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the whole movie. And I didn't that laugh at Dwayne all. Dwayne Wade, not Dwayne Wade. That's du- a, um, but Dwayne Wade from a different a different world. world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, Life we were talking about. Have you seen Life? I mean, there's a lot of bad... Needless to say, there's 80s Eddie Murphy where he can do no wrong. And then he goes into 90s Eddie Murphy where there's some weird stuff. For instance, obviously another 48 hours. Nick, did you ever watch the Michael Jackson video, Remember the Time? Starring Eddie Murphy and child rapist Michael Jackson? Yes. Mm. There's a music video where Michael Jackson started using the T-1000 special yes. effects. Yes. Yes. He was liquid. And yeah. And, I'm going to come into your bed, children, just to sleep there. I'm just a regular rock star. What? <laughs> That's fine. Him and Michael are friends, I guess. I don't know. I think there's cocaine happening, I think. Quaaludes possibly are still around. It's 1990, so I don't know. Also, Party All the Time, I think, is around this era where... Yeah, Party All the Time was really early 80s. No. 85, really? Party All the Time? Well, Eddie had always kind of had a side career where he was going to be a singer, you know, and it never fully came to fruition because although Party All the Time is kind of an awesome song, (laughs) it's sort of hilarious because of how ridiculous, because he parties all the time, or his... His girl likes to party all the time. Excuse me. Then in 1992, he made Boomerang. Then in 1992, he made The Distinguished Gentleman, where he was Thomas Jefferson Johnson, where he was doing like a, what's that? uh, Mr. Uh, Smith goes to Washington. (laughs) But it's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is like his 80 movies with the message were, they were pronounced Right. But they weren't heavy-handed. Yes. And when he hit the 90s, it was like, here's a lady licking two cherries that look like a set of balls. <laughs> Boomerang. Yeah, nailed it. This is about men and women. Yeah. You're like, is it? You're like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And <laughs> then he made Eddie Murphy featuring Michael Jackson, What's Up With You? Which was a short video where they're hanging out. That's not going to age bad. 
Then he was in Dangerous, the Michael Jackson short films. Eddie Murphy was in a lot of Michael Jackson stuff, which I actually feel like I know Eddie's had some sort of scandalous stuff, which I was kind of avoiding bringing up. But for some reason, the stuff with him just hanging out with Michael Jackson, being real close friends with him, somehow weirder to me than any of the other stuff that he ever did. Then Beverly Hills Cop 3, 1994, directed by Brett Radner, one of Nick's favorite movies. That was directed by John Landis. Oh, shit. Was it? Yeah. Wow, that's a bummer. Brett Radner is directing the new one. Oh, that's what it is. Wow. Wow. Beverly Hills Cop 3 features... What I'm assuming is the only George Lucas cameo in history. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that's true. And there's a part where they there's like I remember a Ferris wheel and a bazooka and him wearing a Letterman jacket for some reason the entire movie. He's like, I'm wearing a Letterman jacket during this movie. It's uh it's trash. I mean, forgive me, but a lot of this 90s stuff is basically it's like, and then spoiler alert, he makes another Michael Jackson music video. I think that's four. Then Vampire in Brooklyn. Really cherry on the top. Cherry like balls on the top. Yeah. And then in 1996, though, he bounces back with something that will change his career forever, taking him away from cool 80s Eddie Murphy, but solidifying him forever as one of the richest human beings in the world. He makes The Nutty Professor, where he plays one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight characters. There's a lot of fart jokes. Do you get it that the clumps are fat? Do you get it? Do you get the, the, the joke? They're fat. Like, it's a movie about fat shaming. Yeah. And as a kid, I sort of was like, this isn't funny. This is mean and weird. And I didn't appreciate I don't know. I felt like it was like, yeah, oh, they're farting. Ha, ha, ha. Like, this is fucked up. Like, and it genuinely made me upset at Eddie Murphy. And I know a lot of other idiot kids I went to school with were super into it, but I hated The Nutty Professor. I thought it was trash. I thought it went against what the old Eddie Murphy movies were. And I don't know. What do you think about The Nutty Professor, Nick? I've never seen it. Don't worry, baby. You ain't missing much. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge hit at the time, but you don't hear people talking about it now. You know what I'm saying? It literally was lowest common denominator jokes. It was a fart joke of a movie. Yeah. I'm assuming it's a lot like Shallow Hal where it's like, He's a really nice fat guy, and then he loses the weight, and he's a total douchebag, and then he gets the weight back, and he realizes he was happier and nicer before, and then he bangs, I think, Jada Pinkett Smith. That's close. I would say Shallow Hal is more nuanced. Shallow Hal is that he, from some weird thing, thinks that some woman is fat, but he sees her as different and falls in love with her, and... Although that's still sort of weird, I feel like is a much cooler message than I f- like. I mean, I know the Shallow Hal's bullshit too. It's it all is fat also, jokes. It is right. Yes, there's a ton of fat jokes. That is also true. She also, breaks so many also, chairs in that movie. But Gwyneth Paltrow does put a jade egg up her ass and has telepathy because of it. So can't tell if you're talking about the movie or her magazine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where she learned it. She says that on Shallow Hal, she learned how to have. Jade Butt Powers on her website. Jade Butt Powers <laughs> is the name of my 80s thrash metal band. <laughs> so that movie happened where he plays 35 characters. All of them are the same stupid character. Fatty McFatty Pants. Yeah, you get it? Do you get it? That they're fat? Do you get I mean, I just... Oh, it made in, me so defense, mad to watch it. In defense of that movie. Yeah. And I'm saying this as a fat person. You're not that fat. There is an obesity epidemic in this country. That is fair. That is fair. Maybe if he was, instead of a professor, a professor of agriculture, and the movie was warning everybody about uh, high (laughs) fructose corn syrup. Sure. Also, it has that element where it's trying to maybe say something good as a lesson, right? That people discount him because of this stupid, arbitrary thing about his appearance, even though he is a genius. But then Eddie Murphy has a bunch of characters who are his family who are just completely discount that. You know what I'm saying? By just being literally the – this is bad for me to say. But also the cheesiness of every joke was also just like infuriating to me as a big Eddie Murphy fan where I was like, this is not what Eddie Murphy is. He's funny. He's actually funny. He is not cheesy jokes. He is the opposite. I watch – Beverly Hills Cop because there's tons of stupid buddy cop movies with cheesy jokes. And here's this guy making funny jokes in these movies, and it's good. And now here he is 
being a cheesy, shitty actor, and it it devastated again, me as a though, kid. I, again, <laughs> like this is the beginning of him not having his edge because mm-hmm. he started on um, SNL sixteen years before that. Yeah, sixteen years is a long time to get dulled down. Right, I know, but not everybody. Like, I think Tom Cruise is getting crazier, and his edge is getting harder and leaner and sharper and scarier every day. <laughs> Yeah, but his edge is being a crazy person. <laughs> Tom Cruise is not a comedian. No, at all. No. no. Although I do laugh at a lot of his stuff, which is interesting. I know. I know. He is kind of funny in a weird way. Yeah, because <laughs> you have to be insane <laughs> to play it that way. Looks like University of Illinois. All right. So after Nutty Professor, he follows it up with, he decides to go back to the buddy cop genre. And we watched the trailer for this. For 1997, a movie called Metro. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what's Metro about? It's about two hours too long. <laughs> boom, boom. Nailed it. Um, no, um, he plays a hostage negotiator in beautiful San Francisco. Yeah. And um, blah, 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 blah. He saves the day. <laughs> Nails it. I saw this on a free weekend of stars. <laughs> you guys remember stars? Is that shit your grandparents watched? <laughs> True. Um, My grandma's always asking me which channel is stars. Yeah. I have to write it down for. But back in 1998, yeah. they had a free preview weekend of stars. So they showed The Rock, mm. A Time to Kill. I'm glad they did. And I hope they burn in hell. Exactly. <laughs> Some... Movie where John Cusack's in it. I don't fucking remember. It was bad, too. And then Metro. So it was like yeah. I watched. Interesting that Cusack Cus- and Murphy have a similar career path yes. a little bit, where they have an awesome thing in the 80s, have some serious bounce backs at certain times, but yeah. a lot of kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Cusack's appealing to the younger generation in a much different way, though. That is than true. Murphy is. Right. And Fierce Creatures. These were all on the same weekend. Yeah. On Stars. And I remember seeing The Rock and going, this is preposterous, but I love it. Mm. And then I saw Eddie Murphy's Metro, and I was like, oh, shit, we're not getting stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Movie is terrible. It's terrible. It's garbage. For you listeners who love Michael Rappaport. Mm. This is not your movie. I forgot to. It is a buddy cop movie with him and Michael Rappaport. Yeah. <laughs> who, what did I call him earlier? The less funny, less insane Bill Burr. Yes. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the one standout, though, of R-rated, because then after that, he really dives into being family-friendly Eddie Murphy. He is Mushu, the dragon in Mulan. Which Mulan is very good. I will not bring up the Szechuan sauce. Um, then he is... Dr. Took it over, Marty. <laughs> Took over your whole family. Took over the universe. Mulan is actually very good. It, uh, yeah. It's 90s Disney. It was kind of more badass than them. There's like battle scenes and mayhem and samurai swords. Um, they didn't um, styrofoam playground the park for everybody yet. Yes. Yes. Agreed. 90s uh, Disney were still playing on the asphalt. Yes. Yes. With lawn darts. <laughs> Yeah, you get a little wild. Then he is the titular character, Dr. Doolittle, in Dr. Doolittle, in which he can talk to animals. It's not as upsetting to me as The Nutty Professor, but just as stupid. The jokes are... it's dumb. It's fart jokes. Welcome to fart jokes now. I'm Eddie Murphy. Hello. Oh, that raccoon farted. Nailed it. But Metro aside, The Nutty Professor Mulan and Dr. Doolittle are massive hits, massive financial hits of him being like a kid's actor. Then he makes Holy Man, which Brian likes. (laughs) Brian Tepps is giving me the the handshake. Eh. I've never seen it. It's one of the few Eddie Murphy movies I've ever seen. Is it any good? He plays God. Yeah, I know. We just shrug into a microphone, Brian. (laughs) It's a lot of shoulder shrugs. Then there's Life in 1999. I'll back this movie up. Yeah, with uh, Martin, right? Martin Martin Lawrence Lawrence. and Cedric the Entertainer. Not Cedric, um, Bernie Mac. I remember there being some funny shit in Life. There really is. But it's Demi, RIP. It was a little ahead of its time, I think. And it wasn't a financial success, but it was nice to see Eddie Murphy be funny for a brief moment. Ted Demi did direct it then. Yes. I jumped ahead. Was that the last Ted Demi movie? Or... I think he directed something after yeah, that. He yeah. He was still alive for three more years. True. Uh, 1999, he makes Bowfinger, which... Hilarious. Yes. And also, I have to say this. 
him trying something wildly different yes. than any character he's ever played before, him playing the nerd character, him truly doing his Peter Sellers impression in a way, him and Steve Martin. I only saw that movie once in the theater, and I think about that movie sometimes. It's Frank Oz, who, if you haven't seen Frank Oz movies, maybe we'll do a Frank Oz episode, but my favorite Frank Oz is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and there's an element of Bowfinger that reminds me of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Of My favorite Frank Oz is What About Bob? Ooh, also great. But yeah. these characters who are demented. Exactly. Like, yes. who are up to something different Bowfinger than the world. Bowfinger is very much more Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Though. Yes, but they are weird. They are not of our world exactly. You know, they live in our world, but they are not <laughs> like it's, the normal people you would meet. Did Steve Martin write that? Steve Martin wrote a lot of movies mm-hmm. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Then he made Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, where he is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 characters. Nutty Professor 2, Return of the Fart Joke. <laughs> he made The PJs, which was a TV show. I know it's a movie podcast. Did you ever watch The PJs? Saw a few episodes. It's funny. Yeah, it was funnier. Th- yeah. yeah. Third funnier game. than Everybody Hates Chris. Yeah. Mm. True. Although Terry Crews. I, I retract that statement. Anything with Terry <laughs> Crews is funnier than The PJs. In 2001, though, he again would solidify himself in terms of having himself some big-time money. Some money. Some money you can't possibly imagine. He is Donkey in the movie Shrek. Dad bods were cool again. <laughs> Have you seen Shrek, Nick? I saw Shrek twice in theaters. Mm. I love great. Shrek. It's very funny. Shrek's amazing. Mm-hmm. I still will bring up... People will be talking about whatever, and they'll say layers. I'm like, Parfait's got layers? <laughs> also, the fact that Mike Myers just basically did an impression of his dad and made yeah. a billion dollars. <laughs> Donkey! Really? Really, really. <laughs> After that, I'm he made... not the sharpest tool in the shed. Well, we're, we're, that's the second one, I think. I think that's two. You're jumping ahead now. I don't think so. All-star, I think, to Shrek 2. Shrek 2 has I'm a Believer. Smash Mouth is on both soundtracks. All right, everybody, that's the end. This is the last episode of Blackbuster Film School. Oh, if you're going to quit a podcast <laughs> over, <laughs> no, was, over getting Smash no, Mouth we've, songs we've wrong. It. No, no, you're, we've just nailed This is the peak of cinema. We've ended it. We've figured out all. <laughs> no, this is not a negative ending. We've just solved. We've, once society, we're still recording this under quarantine. We're out there. Once society gets back, though, mm-hmm. I think the one thing we need to remember mm-hmm. when everything's back to normal mm-hmm. or normal-ish mm-hmm is that a few years ago, Smash Mouth played a concert at a, like a food thing, uh-huh. and everybody threw bread loaves at them. They were filled with soup. Yeah, I heard about that. All I'm asking you mm-hmm. is that when... Just to continue that. When Smash Mouth plays a show again, can we throw bread bowls of soup at them to celebrate the fact that this shit is over finally? Yeah, agreed. They'll be into it. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be glad to have food. They'll be glad to have people show up. <laughs> I don't care about whether or not I know what the Shrek soundtrack is. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, so then he makes Dr. Doolittle 2. It makes money. And he then, 2002, one of the low points for both him and Robert De Niro, he makes a movie we also watched the trailer for, Showtime. For fuck's sakes. <laughs> Where they rip off an old Michael J. Fox movie and just make it again. It's a buddy cop movie again, and it sucks. It's terrible. Then truly the true, I would say, low point for Mr. Eddie Murphy's career is in 2002. It is a movie we've talked about before on a couple of different episodes. It is called The Adventures of Pluto Nash. That ruined careers, destroyed uh, studios. <laughs> I think it drove Randy Quaid insane. At the very least. Fucking <laughs> is an abomination. An abomination. It's unwatchable. It's fucking trash. Ugh. Has a 3.8 mm. out of 10. Too much. Too much. On IDB. Much IMDb. too much. I think it has like a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is. Garbage. I don't even think we should spend much time on it because we've talked about it before. But like you said, it makes a little bit of sense because now you realize in context how many movies that Eddie Murphy has made that even that list of just big time money. 
that that guy draws money. He is a money magnet at the box office. So Pluto Nash is a failure. It ruins so many careers. Everybody else is destroyed. But Eddie, they're like, eh. yeah, I, know. I want to say one thing about Pluto mm-hmm. Nash. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch a colostomy bag fill up than watch Pluto Nash again. No, fair. I. It's not even fun bad. No, it's just bad. It's just bad. It makes you reconsider every choice you've ever made in your life. <sighs> Leading I, up to it. To be fair, we were talking about how goofy his 90s career is. We're going to have to kind of skim through some of this 2000s because it's... At this point, this is the end of his career before he makes his comeback. Right. So, I Spy, did you see I Spy? No one ever says... <laughs> That's the whole movie. Owen Wilson, yeah, n- yeah. You nailed it. Daddy Daycare? No, I don't watch that. I don't know. I Why did they just call it Mr. Mom 2? Basically, uh, I will slightly defend the Haunted Mansion 2003. It's kind of crazier. But it's Disney again, and they are they were like, we're going to try and make something that makes money. We don't give a fuck. I actually kind of like the Haunted Mansion. There, I, I said it. it. It's stupid, but it's it's kind of spooky. It's stupid, but it's stupid. And it's kind of spooky. <laughs> uh, Shrek 2, like you said. Money, like ching, ching, like Shrek Two. I think Shrek Two is better than Shrek. Agreed, and it made more money when you add in Antonio Banderas mm-hmm. as that little oh, cat, Puss in Boots, Puss in Boots, and they're at the fucking bar, and the bartender pours him a shot glass of milk, and then before he does it, he goes, Ugh, "I hate Mondays," and then does the <laughs> shot. I damn near piss my pants. <laughs> 2006, a bit of a revival because he produces, and this is his only Oscar nod. In 2006, he is James Thunder Early in Dreamgirls. Dude, what do you think about Dreamgirls, Nick? I didn't say it. Ooh. I actually think it's a pretty damn good musical, if you take it as that, as like a musical, kind of about the ups and downs of Motown, but done with that kind of Hollywood goofiness, so it's not that biting, but... Still kind of interesting. He's kind of Barry Gordy, you know, like he's yeah. kind of the bad guy. You got from the Bee Gees? <laughs> no. Okay. But it's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of really good musical performances. It got nominated for a lot of Academy Awards. It took him into the Film Academy. So I wonder if that kind of changed him a little bit. Oh, no, he made Norbit after that. Yeah. No, he made Norbit. He's like, oh, what if the woman was fat in this? And he was young and skinny. Yeah. What if that happened? He also plays a character called Mr. Wong. I'm sure which, that aged really well. Which I, oh, it's not quite Mickey Rooney, but it's close. Everyone forgets that. Everyone likes to erase Norbit from existence. Um, yeah. Shrek the Third, Money, Meet Dave. I don't know. I've never seen Meet Dave. Right. This is when I start. I honestly, I fell off. Imagine that, Shrek Forever After, Money, Tower Heist. We were talking about Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. I think that's when him and Brett Ratner become friends. So that should say something about <laughs> point of this. A thousand words. Are you a fan of that? I'm a fan of never seeing it. Do mm. you get it? I get it. I see what you're doing. However, he does kind of bounce back in 2019, takes a little break, and... Uh, Huge come... bounce back. Yeah, Dolomite is my name. Loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved I it. I actually loved the shit out of it. He should have been nominated for an Oscar for he that. He really should have. And also, uh, bringing Wesley back to be fucking awesome, yeah. and... Everybody's awesome. Everybody's yes. awesome. Snoop Dogg playing a fucking DJ oh. in a record store. Oh, I'm not going to play you stupid-ass record. Oh, man. If you haven't seen Dolomite is my name, you do yourself a favor. Yeah. It's not going to be on my wall, but it's close. It blew my mind how much I enjoyed it, and it was so good that Eddie was back. But that's it. I know there's uh, possibly a Beverly Hills Cop 4, possibly a Coming to America 2, but that's it for Mr. Edward Murphy. Uh, I think it's time, Nick. I think it's time to do the Blockbuster Film School Dumpster. So, Nick, what's your first dumpster? Vampire in Brooklyn. It's trash. Unbelievable <laughs> garbage. I know. I hate it. I could feel Wes Craven. like angry <laughs> talking about it. I saw it once. It's offensive to Blackula. <laughs> it's offensive to vampires. I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's offensive to Brooklyn. Even gentrified now, full of assholes. Yeah. yeah. 
is bad. All right? It's offensive to the Whole Foods in Brooklyn that used to be a hospital. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Sorry. I'm going to say The Nutty Professor, which is just... I know it has Dave Chappelle in it in the first time Dave Chappelle's in a movie, so there, that's happening. fat jokes, I'm assuming. Yes. And I remember the only that funny part of the fucking movie. <laughs> but it's trash. It's mean. It's stupid. And I think it's fucking beyond dumb. What's your other dumpster there, Nick? I'm going to leave you with uh, the gold standard. <laughs> and I'm going to take Beverly Hills Cop 3. Ooh, RFP John Landis is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. How could you have made so many classic films and then made this? What have you done? And then you made your kid. He's a piece of fucking shit, too. I know. I like American Ultra. I will say this. Sorry, it's good, but. Yeah, he's yeah. still a rapey piece of shit. I know. Allegedly. Art from artists, though. Fucking. I don't do that. Yes, we do. I don't. <laughs> you don't? Nope. Not at all? I turn my back on motherfuckers like that. Mm. There's no artists. You enjoy their art, but. I did. I don't. All right. Fair. Fair. I did not know that. I did not know that. All right. My dumpster is Pluto Nash. As we talked about, this is Jay Moore's fault. <laughs> we can all I'll agree upon that. that. Yeah. It's the fact that you made a movie where Jay... Or a second bill. That's really what happened. People saw that, said to themselves, I don't want to watch two hours of sci-fi and Christopher Walken impressions. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure they decided to. But it, it is possible that it did drive what's-his-face out of his goddamn mind. That's very possible. That's very possible. We're uh, just lucky Rosario Dawson survived it all. That, yeah. She managed to come out of that pretty damn well. Yeah. That's very fair. All right. Well, I think it's time for our wall. What do you say we do? The Blockbuster Film School Wall. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. <laughs> All right, Nick, what's your three on your Blockbuster Film School wall? I hate myself for saying this. Uh Shrek 2. (laughs) It's good. God damn it. It's funny. It's funny. Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. He's funnier. Also, here's the other thing we didn't bring up. Fucking Ogre and Cameron Diaz's character, Princess Fiona. Yeah. They're fat and ugly. Right. Because they're ogres. Right. That movie pulls it off way better than Nutty Professor ever could. And they just look like themselves. Yeah. And then also he beats up John Lithgow. Yes, as you win, should. win, win. Yeah. Also, weird connections between John Lithgow and our current president in that movie, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it's funny the idea of a dictator who's this insane and non-self-aware yeah. and stupid, and it's not really that funny anymore. So, <laughs> my number three, I'm going to say, is coming to America. I'm going to say coming to America. I love it. It's still super funny. It's kind of the first time Eddie Murphy does something different, though, than being classic, charming, tough guy Eddie Murphy, where he's a scholar and a prince, and he's a fish out of water, and he has a milkshake thrown on him, and he has Louis Anderson teach him about how to cook fries. So maybe he knows how to eat fast food and cook it. <laughs> it's I'm saying it's, it's, it's solid. Yes, it's where oh, you... Yeah, James Earl Jones is in that movie. Yes, as his dad. So as good. You do know how sex works, don't you? <laughs> I genuinely love that movie. Arsenio Hall, it's the best Arsenio Hall movie. Without a doubt. By far. I don't think Arsenio was anything funny until the Chappelle show <laughs> like 15 years later. It's true. It's true. I love that movie. I could watch it anytime. The, the, these three movies I could watch anytime, anywhere. Throw them on. I'm in. Uh, what's your number two, Nick? Switch it up. Dolomite is my name. Nice. Yeah. It is great. It's a great movie. I watched it twice. It's funny. It's insane. I often have a weird love slash super hate for bio movies, and this fell in the love category. I also felt that it was talking about a character in history that you don't really know as well, as well as a cinematic scene, you know? Yeah. It's much like us. You're talking about a cinematic, you know, different cinematic scenes that maybe aren't as well represented. Yeah. That Essentially, Rudy Raymore was black Cassavetes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And first. 
Also, black independent cinema is some of the first, because, spoiler alert, we're not allowed into mainstream Hollywood, so uh, this may come as a shock. There has always been black independent cinema. There has been black independent cinema since, like, the silent film era, because Hollywood wouldn't allow black filmmakers to make it, so they made it them damn selves. And... Whether you like his movies or not, it goes all the way up to modern era, going all the way up to Tyler Perry and becoming this huge movie mogul through independent cinema, almost exclusively. Those Medea movies initially were stage plays, and then he made them himself, and then they made absurd amounts of fucking money every single Tyler, you know. And so there's always been this element of black independent cinema in America, and it's interesting to watch My Name is Dolomite because it at least throws a cool light onto a portion of that history. My number two, though, is Trading Places. It is maybe my favorite John Landis movie, truly, though. It's electric. It's super fun. It's super mayhem. There's a part where Dan Aykroyd is drunk and dressed up like Santa Claus and shoots a gun at people and then eats a piece of piece of ham that he pulls out of his beard on the train. <laughs> he didn't even know the cameras were rolling. <laughs> it's the best Dan Aykroyd movie. It's the best. It's the best. It has the guy from Indiana Jones. In it. it has the guy from Animal House. I There's just, if you haven't watched any of these movies that me and Nick are putting out, these are movies you should watch. If you've never seen Shrek 2 or My Name is Dolomite, or Coming to America, or Trading Places. Just do yourself a goddamn favor. What the fuck are you doing? Do do it. Uh, Nick, what's your number one? Surprise to nobody. It's another 48 hours. What? <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's Beverly Hills. <laughs> and to help you out, it is also my number one. Yeah. So combined with our powers combined. Me and Nick just touched fists and they glowed yeah. and annihilated Brian. He disappeared from this universe. Not because so, of our power, just because of the bright light. Yeah, I know. It was we probably shouldn't have done that. We need yeah. him to produce the rest of this show. What's your favorite part of Beverly Hills Cop? Him getting thrown out a fucking window and then getting arrested. But everything where it's him and Judge Reinhold and the Balder guy. But the part that just popped in my head right now is when he shows up to the factory. Yes. He's like, you know this man gave me a cigarette? You know he gave me a lighter? This man gave me a match. I'm going to have all of you arrested. We're going through every single one of these boxes. I don't care how long we have to stay here tonight. It's amazing. And I don't know how much of this is improvised. I don't know. But it's Eddie Murphy taking over a movie. Yeah. And you can watch Eddie Murphy become Eddie Murphy before your eyes. I also love at the end of that amazing, spoiler alert, a little bit, but at the end of the opening truck car chase scene being chased by cops, finally the truck crashes and then the cops all pull guns <laughs> and Eddie Murphy pops out and they go, God damn it, Foley, I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he gets to hang out with... Um, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser has a great scene in it. I am not listening to Jeffrey. Jeffrey is not talking to me. La, la, la. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> it's amazing. Every scene in that movie is funny. Yeah. Or action-packed. It's one or the other. And also that theme song, if you're ever dragging in a movie, just play that theme song. Because <laughs> <laughs> suddenly you want to watch the rest of that movie. I don't know. It's, it's great. I think that's our Eddie Murphy episode, Nick. Any final Eddie Murphy thoughts? <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. I actually will take to heart your also ride with you on your cutting out people who are scumbags, the separation of art and artist thing. I think I might. It's hit me a little bit in my chest. It has. That's not a joke. I just talk like this. But I love Eddie Murphy. I love Eddie Murphy. I always have. Even if he never really makes a movie that I... That's not true. I mean, my name is Dolomite. I really did genuinely enjoy. Yeah. There was a period where I was worried that I would never actually enjoy an Eddie Murphy movie truly again. I certainly didn't think so. But maybe. Maybe there will be. Also, Eddie's not that old, you know? Yeah. He could have a whole old Eddie Murphy could be funny as shit, you know? Could have a whole renaissance. But by me saying it, I may have cursed him and he'll make Boomerang too. He <laughs> <laughs> Got the feed. Show's over. <laughs> No, here's the thing. Eddie Murphy doesn't always have to be the leading man. Mm. Eddie Murphy could show up, start being the supporting guy, 
be hilarious. Yeah. Not show up for the last half hour of the movie, and it'd be amazing. I think that saved him a lot. I think Donkey, as being second or third on the call sheet in some of those movies, has really allowed him to be funny, you know? Has yeah. allowed him to be where he doesn't have to carry the movie, you know? We didn't bring up any of Eddie's weirdness because, you know what? Your weird sex stuff is your own weird sex stuff as long as it's consensual. And I think all the Eddie Murphy stuff that he ever got tagged with was kind of bogus because it was all kind of consensual. And some... Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Grant, too. <laughs> nah, screw him. <laughs> and I think that's it. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's a great episode. Nick, you're doing a great job. Brian, you're doing a great job. So uh, are you, Alex. Please hit us up on Patreon. Please follow and subscribe. Uh, we're always on Instagram. If you want to hit us on Instagram, we send back if you want to send us some dms say hello and uh it's been going great so if you have any suggestions obviously you know we love you guys when you just support and uh do drugs do whatever the hell you want to do you're doing a great job i love you guys and we'll see you next week